Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello and welcome to the Experts Podcast. My name is Lana Hill and I'm your solo Experts Podcast host uh, today and I'm very excited. Noni Kays means I can uh, just get into the questions that I want to get into and I'm thrilled to be chatting to one of our wonderful experts today in Lisa Cox. Lisa is an award-winning writer, author, motivational speaker and disability advocate and Lisa, thank you so much for your time and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Shana. It's really great to be here. I'm I'm so excited to have you on. And as I said, I'm I'm thrilled that I get to speak to you one-on-one today because I remember really distinctly actually when we first spoke over the phone and I was really struck by your story and your purpose in, um, you know, really making a difference for for people with disabilities. I'd love to hear again your your story, I guess, your personal story and and how how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Would you mind sharing that with, uh, with the listeners? Yeah, sure. If we have to spare two hours, no problems at all. <laughs> the abridged version, I'll, maybe for today. I'll give you the abridged version. So I I started off um, working in media and advertising full time. I had no disabilities back then. Went to uni, did all the all the things that people do. Got my degrees, moved to Melbourne, was working in the agencies, creating content for national and international brands. I was a copywriter. If um if anyone knows knows what that is, so I essentially made ads. I uh, mm. wrote the headlines, wrote the scripts, loved it, absolutely loved it. And then at the age of 24, I was at Melbourne Airport one morning and I had a brain hemorrhage, a stroke, and spent the next three weeks in a coma, two months on life support, and over a year in hospital after that. So during that first year, my left leg, all of my toes, none of my fingertips were amputated. I had heart surgery twice and total hip replacement. And then, of course, there are all of the um, invisible disabilities and scars you can't see on my brain. So I have a permanent brain injury of over 25% blind, have epilepsy, chronic fatigue, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So I, I try not to focus too much on my health history and my disability, but at the same time, it's such an enormous part of of who I am and why I do the work that I do now. So um, I suppose I found a way to fuse together my professional background in media marketing, advertising, comms with my lived experience of disability. So that's what I've been doing a lot of lately, trying to change the narrative around how disability is represented in in mainstream popular culture, everything from the 6pm news headlines to the fashion industry and everything in between. So that's essentially the the sort of stuff I'm doing now. I'm working with brands and businesses, individuals or organisations who who really share my vision um, to create that change. Oh, you're doing an incredible job, Lisa. And you've uh, just the, you know, the list of media that you've been in is 
you know, is incredible for international media, Australian media, TV, radio, uh, you know, heaps and heaps of print. You're obviously a wonderful writer. But I want to I want to jump into, I guess, diversity in the media because it's it's something I know that, you know, I guess is is the main part of, of your purpose and what you're doing. And it's certainly a conversation we've had a lot on the Experts podcast, um, you know, diversity of all different kinds. Why, mm-hmm. why do you think the media is still dragging their feet a bit in in this regard lots of lots of answers but i know <laughs> one is that so many of the um and i, I don't want to generalize or offend any listeners but <laughs> the the media as a whole uh the industry and all of the not just the media but comms comms industries in general there's a lot of old white men in suits running the show and so that's when we see a lack of representation or misrepresentation, not just disability, but of of genders, yes. sexuality, colour, all, all of those, all of those sorts of things. So we have people who who do fit, who can be pigeonholed running the show, um, and it doesn't leave a lot of room for those of us who perhaps don't fit the stereotype. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and I, I just uh, uh, referencing your Studio Ten interview you did a, li- a little while ago, and I didn't realise, but one of the stats they rolled off, or you you discussed on the segment, was that uh, that people with disabilities are the largest um, minority group. Is that right? That's exactly right. Twenty oh. percent of roughly twenty percent of the population, depending on what part of the world you're in, um, approximately almost a quarter of the, the population, one in five here in Australia. And so we're not talking about just a, a couple of randoms on the street. This is an, <laughs> an enormous, an enormous chunk of the population. So um, that that's one way that I address my advocacy work is not just to look at it from the point of view of it being socially responsible and a, a really decent thing to do, but yep. it's profitable and it's really smart business. Oh, absolutely. So I, I wrote a piece recently um, that appeared um, in, in several publications about why the media is failing. And as many of your listeners would know, the media has, has really uh, not been, not been in great shape recently. And, you know, there was a lot of blame of, of COVID and that's why, but, we can't blame COVID entirely because the media industry was, was up shit creek long before COVID. Yeah. And one of the potential reasons for that, or the possible reasons, is that um, going back a couple of decades, when, when I was a kid, if there was something really crap on TV, you you just had to deal with it. You had to watch it or you turn it off and went outside. Yes. And that was that. But these days there are so many options with streaming services and digital media and everything like that available to audiences that if something doesn't resonate with them, if they don't see themselves reflected in, in some way, it's not speaking to them, they can flick over to Stan or Netflix or one of the 100 million billion other streaming services and digital platforms that are available. And so our commercial networks really need to take stock of that and remember that if roughly a quarter of our population have a, a disability or identify as, as having a disability, then that's a large chunk of the population who they're currently not speaking to. And by not speaking to, I mean not representing or not 
got happening on their screen. So our screens really aren't reflecting our society anymore. And that wasn't a problem when I was, you know, 10 or 10 or so. But these days I, I switched the channel or switched around the web page. Yes. So commercial stations really need to, to take stock of that and take action. Oh, you're so right. It's it's Yeah, and as you say, it's a conversation that's relevant to not only, you know, diversity in terms of disability, people with disability, it's about gender, sexuality, race, you know. This... Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I get on my soapbox about disability, but it's exactly or very, very similar principles and strategies and all those sorts of things um, for colour and um, religion, all those sorts of um, different different ways you can be diverse. So I, I work with a great organisation called Media Diversity Australia. Yes. And their core focus is cultural diversity in newsrooms. So I often joke that I'm, you know, the only white woman in the room. So <laughs> only white person in the room. But we, even though, you know, they um, obviously have, have some, some different strategies, so many of... Um, our focuses are, are very, very similar and maybe change change a few words around, but it comes down to that misrepresentation or underrepresentation and just lack of visibility in general. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, it's a, com- a, a saying we've used in reference to gender um, inclusivity in media, but the I love the saying, you can't be what you can't see. And obviously, the, it, it's not totally relevant to having a disability, but, you know, having that, uh, you know, that sense of belonging and that sense of, yes, this really resonates with me as a viewer or as a listener um, or reader. It's it's something I agree the, the big commercial um, media organi- organisations need to get a lot more serious about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do like that quite obvious that many times you can't be what you can't see. And it, it does apply to disability in so many ways. I mean, there are times I've been modelling or appearing in an advertisement or something like that. And the point is not you can't be in an advertisement or you can't be a model. Yes. If you can't, it's more that you can be valued. You can be an accepted, valuable member of society. That's that's really what that representation is saying. Ah, so true. I'm really glad you've mentioned your modelling um, because I, I love that. And I think, I mean, the modelling world and I guess the fashion industry has, I think, you know, in previous years, maybe not had so many positive, um, I guess, impacts on society. But I feel like there's some really exciting stuff happening in in the fashion industry and in the modelling industry now around people that just are different. You know, they don't all look the same. Has that been your experience? Yes, yes and no. The so, <laughs> um, US and the UK are doing, doing a fantastic job. They're maybe a decade ahead of us and it's, it's not unusual to see disability on, on runways and things like that. But um, I've been working with Susie at Media Stable over the years and she's she's well aware of, of where I stand about the Australian fashion industry not pulling its weight. And um, case in point being that all around the world we've seen people with visible disabilities on catwalks and no one bats an eyelid because they're just there like everybody else. But the Australian fashion industry still refused to go there. So oh, I I've been know. banging on about this for, for years and years, much to Susie's <laughs> frustration, I think. Um, <laughs> always, always going on about it. But with due, due credit to them, they've been fantastic this year. They've um, 
got me in consulting behind the scenes, working on a few things as to how they can make the event itself more inclusive. So Amazing. I am the Afterpay Australian Fashion Week. Um, after many years of, of campaigning and with Susie's help, um, many content around those sorts of things, we are we are seeing change. So it's not like Bantine, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. <laughs> and it's, it's slow and there's still a long way to go, but it's, it's a step in the right direction. Oh, it's amazing. And yes, that Susie always gets a great rap on uh, on the Experts podcast and rightly so. We love we love Susie and I love that, you know, we're able to help you, Lisa, make a difference in, you know, in the lives of others, you know, and that's obviously um, why you do what you do. Um, so I want to also talk about, and I know that you have a massive social media following. I was just checking out your Instagram earlier. Has that... You know, I guess that's something you've been nurturing for for quite a long time. How has that, um, I guess, contributed to you being able to get your message out there? And also, how do you use that with the traditional media that you that you're able to get? Instagram has been really great. And I will admit that um, before I started using it, I thought it was just a, a platform for narcissistic tweens to <laughs> talk about themselves and take selfies. And I thought, roll my eyes and thought, that's nothing I want to be a part of. But <laughs> I, I since um, I stand corrected, and it's it's been a wonderful way for me to to show the sorts of um, work that I'm doing, or that other people are doing. And I suppose I use it in a different way in that um, I don't just post bikini pictures and yes. free shots of sunsets and what I had for breakfast. <laughs> but um, I, I do use it to promote my advocacy work and and a few of the other things I'm doing. And part of that is because my experience with media and disability over the years has been that, that it's only represented in some very narrow, stereotypical ways. So unless I'm a Paralympian, um, and they're really, really great people doing extraordinary things. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, there's really, really sad, depressed. Yeah. And that, that were the only two ways you could show up and be disabled in the media yep. or the only coverage that disabled people got. So I thought, well, instead of complaining about it, I'll start posting bits and pieces from my life and talking about my very, very run-of-the-mill, normal normal somewhat boring occasionally um, and I say boring and I do I do grocery shopping I buy toilet papers COVID and everything else that that quote-unquote normal people do yeah and there was no um no representations like that in mainstream media so even though it's it's very different Instagram is the platform it's been really advantageous for people like myself who um, really got to take control of the narrative because prior to that I had, and when I say I, I mean we, the disability community, had um, the you know, producers controlling the narrative of how disability would show up yep. in in people's feeds. But these days we get to control that a bit more, which is nice, tell yes. our own stories. Absolutely. I, and I agree. I'm so glad you touched on that as well around, you know, there seems to be very sort of, you know, polarising 
ways that we represent people with a disability uh, and particularly in Australia. We're so sports focused in Australia. So it's sort of, you know, okay and more, um, you know, more normal, I guess, if you're seeing someone with a with a disability playing sport in the Paralympics, for example. But yeah, all that really sad alternative. So I'm, I'm so glad you're giving us something in the middle, Lisa. <laughs> Yeah, well, those social extremes do absolutely exist, and there's some really you know tragic stories that I've, I've witnessed personally in some of the work I do. But yeah. it's certainly not life for um for a, a large chunk in the middle. Those of us who are just going about life and work and getting married, having relationships, having families, and all of those sorts of things that really aren't being represented. Yeah, so true. I want to talk a bit about the media work that you've done specifically. And as I said in the intro, I mean, you've just, you know, if I look at some of your uh, appearances, Studio 10, I mentioned, um, you know, all of the writing you've done, Channel 7, Channel 9, the Sydney Morning Herald. I mean, am I right in thinking that the written form of media is your favourite or, or what, you know, what type of media is the one you love to do the most? Oh, I love a oh, – it, it really, I suppose it, it really depends. I'm a writer at heart, so um, I'm, I'm not one of those – I hate cooking and my husband <laughs> can spend all day in the kitchen fluffing with spices and nothing drives me more batty, but I will sit all day in front of a blank word document and just happily happily type away and craft craft a story. So that's, that's my idea of – of bliss, but um, I suppose television um, or, or video can be very impactful when you do need that visual representation of, of say, something like like disability. Um, but I I do I really do love love crafting a story. I'm a bit of a word nerd. Oh no, and it's it's amazing, and I think the writing component of media is something that I, I guess in all the people we've talked to on the Experts podcast and the people we work with at Media Stable, it's it's usually the type of media people wish they were better at. You know, usually people are really nervous about TV, um, but yeah, I think most people wish they were better at at writing. And um, yeah, I mean, I we're all a huge fan of of what you do at Media Stable, and you're an author as well, Lisa. Is it two books? that you've written? True, that's that's correct. Oh, yeah, body awesome. image and or both about body image and media literacy. Yeah, I love So it. given that I had that sort of behind the scenes um, work of what would we do to, to images in advertisements or after photo shoots and um, I, I put that all in a book because that's the sort of thing I would have liked to read when I was 17 because opening – Opening Dolly magazine or what, whatever it was at the time. Yeah, I, I remember that's just how people looked, and that was normal. I didn't know about Photoshop or anything like that. So it's it's really just putting all of the all of the secrets out there on the table so that people can make up. When I say people, uh, younger younger people can make up their own minds about what's a lot of a lot of BS and what what's not. But everyone's a bit more aware of that these days. 
good. Yeah, I love that. So the title, I think, that of the book you're referring to, Does My Bum Look Big in This Ad, which I absolutely love, by the way. And But I think you're right in that I think more people these days are aware of things like, you know, Photoshop and filters and lighting and, you know, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. But it still has such a horrible impact. You know, you, you're aware it of it. Right? Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it's so important that we're we're calling calling that stuff out and demanding more more realistic imagery. Yeah, and that's I suppose that's another another way or another group that are taking control of the narrative. There are some influencers on Instagram now who are showing the before and after tricks of trade and why, you know, bikini models look the way they do, they pose this way and suck this in and do that and <laughs> they I suppose they're lifting the veil, um of, of BS that was that was once there and none of us really knew what was going on. But the, the media would never come out and, and show us all of those behind-the-scenes secrets um, before these influencers took control of the narrative and started doing it themselves. That's so true. Yeah, it's um, and that is one of the good things about social media. I have a bit of a love hate relationship with social media, but I think, you know, as you've said, you know, at least we're getting to control our own narrative a bit more. And I think the accessibility and transparency is far greater than it's ever been. I mean, it's still not totally, you know, transparent and and a hundred percent reality, is it? But it's definitely um, it's definitely better than it's been in the past. Oh, definitely. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Um, and I want to also you said you said earlier you don't like um talking as much as writing, but I think you're very good at talking, <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. Um, and I know you do a lot of public speaking. Was that something that sort of just organically happened? Because I can imagine you'd be quite an in demand speaker given your your personal and professional experience. It did. It did begin quite quite organically. So I have. Um, it's a bit of a mixed bag with my speaking. One day I might be speaking in a medical conference to a room of, of very, very important people. <laughs> and then <laughs> next day I'll be, be speaking to a room full of teenage girls about body image and body confidence. So Amazing. there's a, a real, real difference in the, the groups I'll be speaking to. But um, I suppose the reason, one of the reasons I, I like writing so much is that just the, the sheer fact that I can. So when I, I first came out of the coma, couldn't move my arms, fingers, nothing to save myself, couldn't hold a pen to write my own name. Wow. So it's anyone who's a writer listening to this will understand that once a writer, always a writer. It's just one of those things you feel intrinsically. And even though I I couldn't type, my mother had to sit beside me and scribe word for word Wow. Everything that I wanted to say in a letter to a, a friend and then she'd go home and type it up and send it. Oh, go but, um, I, I know it was great. <laughs> I uh, got home, bought a very, very cheap, cheap and nasty laptop and then sat at the kitchen table at my parents' house for months on end teaching myself how to type with my remaining fingertips because wow. my eyesight, my fingertips and all of the tools of my trade, I suppose, as a writer had just been... Uh, damaged or destroyed so I was determined to, to get back to writing as, as slow as it it may have been so I can no longer touch type and Susie knows that she can't send me a request for 150 words in two minutes <laughs> it's going to take a bit longer than that <laughs> but um, getting getting back to writing was was definitely one of my one of my top goals in the beginning wow 
That's so it's incredible. And so how how do you you know if in terms of uh, you said you can't touch type anymore, um, what does it look like for you now? Your reality of you know getting getting your message and your and your media out there. Still, um, I mean, me personally, I still still use a keyboard and things like that. If that's what you mean, but I do get help from people like Susie at Media Stables, um, and I've I've said to her before um, that I might send her a few um, what do they call it half baked ideas, or yep. I suppose with my brain injury in the afternoons I fatigue, yep. and my brain runs at really really slow speeds. I do understand deadlines and media and how it, how it all works. So I've, I've made a deal with Susie that there are times that if she needs something pronto in the afternoon, I can, can send her through some, some thought starters or something like that. And she's she's been a, a really, really great help sometimes when my brain just refuses to, to kick into gear. Yeah. And unfortunately, disability is unpredictable. So there will be days I'm like, well, I guess I'm I'm not going to be writing today, um, and and Susie's been a great help on days like those. Oh, that's amazing! It's yeah, and as I said, Susie gets such a great rap on the Experts podcast. But I love your, I guess, your commitment to, you know, battling those every day, and hopefully not every day, but um, you know, battling those, um, you know, moments of struggle, and but you know, pushing through because yeah, it definitely, definitely is making a difference. Do you feel like it's making a difference, Lisa? I hope. I hope so. I, I get frustrated all the time. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but every every now and again, there's little glimmers of hope. Um, like Australian Fashion Week, after pay Australian Fashion Week, um, after you for some involvement and representation from disabled consultants, and that was was many many years worth of of campaigning. And every now and again, I'll I'll see an advertisement that's just got a a wheelchair in it for for no other reason. Um, no big deal is made, which is perfect. Yep. It's just got a wheelchair in there like any other piece of talent or person of talent. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. I'd like to think that I was one of the many people who who helped to make that happen because I know I started talking about this 10 years ago and people were rolling their eyes and looking at me like I had two heads and why, why would you want to include disabled people yeah. in advertisements and it was – yeah, so it's it's nice that now in, instead of me um, knocking on all the doors and getting raised eyebrows, brands are approaching me and asking more questions about how they can do it well. Because my approach to advocacy is not to just sit on Twitter and be nasty and point out how everybody is doing it wrong. Yep. Um, but instead to collaborate and educate a bit more and say, well, this is potentially how you can go about it differently and, and do it really well because I, I suppose I come with a little bit of compassion because I used to be that 20-something-year-old creative sitting in the agency going, geez, I really want to be diverse, but how do I do it without offending anyone? So that used to be me and I, I do wow. understand why people can be hesitant sometimes. 
Yeah, and it is one of those things that, you know, media does in some ways have to tread, you know, that line, you know, in terms of what they can or not even what they can, but what they will represent um, on our screens and um, radio, etc. But, uh, yeah, the fact that you're giving a positive, uh, you know, alternative, Lisa, I think is, um, yeah, that's obviously <laughs> helping the organisations and the people that you're working with for sure. Yeah. Positive without being inspiration porn positive. I don't know if you're are you familiar with that term. I'm not, but I love that. <laughs> okay. I thought I'd ask before, before you're like, what is she talking about? So inspiration porn is a term that was coined by our late disability advocate, Sally Young. Yes. And it's, it's basically where several people are objectified and, and platformed for doing absolutely sweet FA. So wow. The example I give is, you know, if I if I climb Mount Everest in my wheelchair, by all means, call me an inspiration, and I'm I'm pretty cool. But if I'm just going grocery shopping, yeah, no, that's <laughs> uh, I have been stopped in the middle of coals before picking up carrots from the grocery from the um um for groceries and just been told, oh, I'm I'm so inspirational just for being out. Wow, and it's so so good just to see me out. And um, so they're, they're the sorts of, um, I suppose, things that many, many years of people like myself telling our own stories and putting another narrative forward, hopefully in, in years to come, we'll see less and less and less of that sort of attitude towards disabilities that it won't be such a miraculous big deal that we're out. Yeah, it's such a good point. And yeah, I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about, you know, diversity in the media, but I think ultimately, what we're trying to do is educate the public, aren't we? And change the change the sort of barometer of what, um, what people think is, you know, inspirational and, and normal. That's, um, and I guess some people would feel unsure about what they should say or what what they shouldn't say in those types of um, situations. Yeah, it does. That's understandable because then I was not that person who yeah. was didn't want to offend and didn't know what to say. Um, and I suppose there is no um, one one size fits all approach to these things because while I'm a chatterbox and will answer pretty much anything you ask me to <laughs> <until> all day, <laughs> other questions for some people might be triggering or they might not want to talk about it, and so you can't say. Everyone with a disability, um, you have to say this or not say this, I suppose. But um, one one bit of advice would be is just talk to me or, or anyone else with a disability like you would talk to another stranger or another friend or yep. or something like that. Because at the end of the day, we we're just people. Yeah, just going going about life, and um, yeah, there's there's no reason to. To necessarily be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's such a good point. And um, I think I'm going to ask you for one more piece of advice, Lisa, because unfortunately we're running out of time. So it's our, it's our last question on the podcast. But if you have, um, if you could give me one tip for anybody wanting to make an impact in the media, um, what would that be? Be consistent and get Susie to help you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fantastic tip, but consistency and Susie. <laughs> consistency and Susie. Yeah, no, consistency because this isn't something that happened overnight. I've been talking about these sorts of things for, for many, many years and I just kept 
showing up and it hurt no more times than, than you would believe. But I've just continued to to show up because it's a message I believe in and a message that I, I personally believe and, and know has worth and value. So we'll hear no and we'll get, whether it's in the media publications so you don't want to run your story, that's okay. You can find find ways around that and get get a bit creative, I suppose, and use platforms like um, well, Instagram would be one, but other ways that you can get that message out there, even if it's, it's obviously great if um, Sydney Morning Herald want to run a piece, but if they don't, be, be consistent and find another way to put that content out there so at least you've got, when they finally do run your piece, you can say, here's Sydney Morning Herald, but here's also five years' worth of other content that I've produced around the same sorts of things. Yes, such a good point, Lisa. It is something I think that people can, it's easy to get a little bit, uh, you know, put out or or take it personally, but it is a long road. Um, it's a long game, but the, the rewards are, are definitely there if you can um, if you can last the distance. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been just a wonderful time chatting to you. If people want to find out more about you or buy your book or you know, get you to come and speak. What's the best way to find you? The best way would be by my website, which is at lisacox.co, L-I-S-A-C-O-X.co. And that's also my Instagram handle. So I'm on a lot of platforms, but really the only one I check is Instagram. (laughs) I think I've got (laughs) LinkedIn messages from six months ago or something. Oh, we're all guilty of that. I think we're all guilty. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lisa. And thanks to everybody for tuning into the Experts podcast today. It's been my absolute pleasure and we look forward to bringing you another expert or another other media next week. Bye for now. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.